where they are settled today. Well, we are looking back for a moment as well as looking forward, you know, because what God is accomplishing is not just for today and tomorrow, it's for eternity. And so we want to take a bit of time to, uh, you know, let uh, some of the happenings uh, pass in front of us as we are looking back at what God has done in the last 30 years. I want to entitle my, my message today, uh, A New Wineskin for the Master's Use. A New Wineskin for the Master's Use. And I want to read uh, some scriptures, starting from the book of Matthew, chapter 9 and verse 16. The Bible says here, Besides, who would patch old clothing with new clothes? For the new patch would shrink and rip away from the old clothes, leaving an even bigger tear than before. And no one puts new wine into old wine skins, for the old, the old skins would burst from the pressure, <coughs> spilling the wine and ruining the skins. New wine is stored in new wine skins so that both are preserved. In Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 11, and he himself, that is Jesus our Lord, gave himself some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors and teachers for the equipping of the saints for the work of ministries, for, edif for the edifying of the body of Christ, till we all come to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God to a perfect man, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. That is our destiny, that we come to the unity of the faith, the knowledge of the Son of God, to a perfect man, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. Let us pray. Lord our God, we are so grateful that we can be able to gather today, remembering many wonderful things that you have been doing in our midst for lives that have been transformed from the darkness of this world into the light of your wonderful church. Lord Jesus, we thank you so much that you are here today, that you are speaking to us. Lord, that you have a purpose in everything that happens in our lives. So Lord, continue building us as we are moving forward even into another year, into another decade. Lord, build us so that we come to the unity of the faith. Lord, so that we are going to experience the greater knowledge of the Son of God. So that, Lord, we become a perfect man to the full measure of the stature of Christ. Lord, we thank you so much for your wonderful presence today and may you touch our hearts, our minds, our lives, in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, Jesus taught us a very important lesson uh, when he talked about the uh, clothing that needs to be uh, patched and the wineskin 
that uh, we must have uh, prepared when there is a new wine coming. So we want to take a moment just to uh, let this uh, pass our, our mind and our hearts as we talk about some of these things. You know, Jesus said, no one puts new wine into an old wine skin, for the old skin would burst from the pressure, spilling the wine and ruling the skin. New wine is stored in new wine skin so that both are preserved. That's very important. For those of you who are not familiar with wine skins, you know, maybe we, today we are not using wine skins, we're using bottles and all kinds of different containers. But in the days of Jesus, of course, wine skins were the order of the day. And when there was a new harvest, and uh, you know, the grapes were harvested, and uh, that uh, the grape juice uh, that became wine needed to be put into containers. Uh, what was used at that time were wine skins. Okay, wine skins that were made out of, uh, you know, the, the, the leather that was available even at that time. And of course, at the time when a wine skin is being prepared, it is very soft and very flexible. It can easily take the, the you know, uh, Vermenting that is going on inside of the wine skin because there's a lot of movement happening inside. Uh, when new life comes, uh, it's the same thing. You know, it's a lot of a lot of uh, movement uh, inside, and uh, the structures for such uh, must be very very flexible because otherwise uh, they will break the wine skin. Now, an old wine skin became very stiff because it had already done its job, you know, it had already adjusted to the vine, and over the years, there wouldn't be any change. But uh, then, you know, when the wine skin would become empty, there was no way to reuse this for, for new wine. Because the new wine, which was so active and, and uh, you know, was able to shift uh, so much insight would break those brittle and old wineskins. And Jesus uses this as a picture. You know, that when a new season is coming, when a new harvest is coming, you cannot go back to the old season and to the old, to the old wineskin, but you need to prepare a new one. Now, 30 years ago, 35 years ago, when we were uh, working with... Uh, uh, different uh, people and in a particular church, you know, we, we came to realize that the new wine that God was giving us at the time was uh, becoming a problem to some people. And of course, we tried to make things work out, but eventually we realized that you couldn't put new wine into old wineskins. A change had to happen. And so God was leading us you know, long before we even understood what God was uh, up to, God was leading us into something that we had to establish. You know, having to make new wineskins. And uh, we thank God because Gospel Outreach Fellowship became a new wineskin that God asked us to prepare and work so that he could pour in that which he desired to pour out 
in our world. Now, we must understand that the master's plan determines the required tools. Okay? Whenever God is having a project, whenever God is trying to accomplish, Jesus said, I will build my church. So we must understand the church is belonging to him. And he determines, he decides how to use which tool at what time. And so Jesus is using his word, he's using his life, he's using his plan, he's using his vision, but he pours it into the lives of human beings. He desires us to be filled with those powerful ingredients of God himself in order to build what God desires to build. So the vine skin is required to supply a season with all of the above. Okay, when there's a new harvest, until there's another harvest sometimes next season, then you need to have this line, which is the word of God, which is his life, which is his vision uh, available so that, you know, we are not running out of what God provides for us. We all know that if you spill uh, water on the ground, it will not be able to be gathered anymore. And so God is not spilling his life out just into, uh, into the desert. No, he wants to put it in wineskins so that people can be reached throughout that particular season in order to accomplish what he wants to do. And so we came to realize you know, 30 years ago, that it was time for us to shift and, you know, pour that which God had given to us into a new wineskin. We tried to put it into the old wineskin, and the old wineskin was, uh, was uh, about to burst, okay? And then we realized, no, there's no point in putting it into an old wineskin because it will, it will not work. It will not carry on. And so here, mandate of the Lord Jesus to prepare a new vine skin, okay? So this is why we are here today, 30 years later. And when we look back, of course, what was done at that particular time um, was not understood by many people, could not be seen by many, was even, you know, uh, condemned by others. But, you know, when God calls you to lay a foundation, when God calls you to take a step of faith, then, that needs to be done. And so we just need to realize, you know, that God is doing new things. And that's what scripture tells us time and time again, that he will do a new thing. He will not always do the same thing that he has been done in the past. You know, the book of, uh, the book of Ezekiel tells us the story about the river of God that flows from the altar in the temple. And uh, as the water flows from the temple, it begins with a trickle. And then, you know, uh, scripture says that they were measured off a thousand cubits, that's about 500 meters, and then it became, uh, you know, deep up to the, to the ankle. And another thousand cubits, it became up to the knees. Another thousand cupids came up to the waist and another thousand cupids it came, uh, it was so deep that you could not walk anymore but you had to swim 
And so, you know, every one of these different stages in life requires a different approach. You cannot say, I'm going to walk through the river when there's no more ground under your feet, you're going to drown. So you have to learn to swim. You have to learn to adjust. And you know, every season that God brings needs an adjustment, needs to have uh, us prepare the kind of uh, wineskin that can take care of what is God is pouring out at that particular time. Because God is not going to spill what has got great value. God wants to put it into the hearts and lives of people who are able to carry with it, uh, who carry it to the very uh, people that are in need ahead of them. So in 1992, 30 years ago, just on, we recognized that we could no longer go on with the wineskin in which we used to be, but that we had to prepare a new wineskin. And the Gospel Outreach Fellowship was born. A new family was born, and we thank God for that. Now, we started in a very humble way. You know, we started in a basketball court at the International School of Lusaka. Uh, but since then, many, many wonderful things have happened. Many people have been touched, have been changed. Many people have been able to see the hand of God in their lives. And we continue to do what God has called us to do. Our desire is not to make a name for ourselves. Okay, I know in the 1990s, you know, there was a lot of transformation happening because that was the time when uh, we had just changed the government the previous year, in 1991. You know, we came from a one-party state to a multi-party state, and a lot of people were planning many wonderful things. Okay, some of the things worked, some of the things didn't. And within the church, there was a competition. Okay, I'm going to build the fastest growing church. I'm building the biggest church. I'm doing this, I'm doing that. And for a while, you know, this sounded very, very interesting, very uh, exciting. But then God at one time spoke to me right here in this place that I should not worry about how big or how fast or how impressive we would be to other people, but that we should just keep our eyes upon him, okay, that we should just trust him, that he would bring the people that he is putting into our hands in order to form them and to, uh, to prepare them for the greater things that which he is with, uh, with pastors or with uh, churches. No, what we are doing, we, we, we are here to say, God, here we are. We have heard your call. Send us. That's one of the lessons, one of the principles that we, we always need to recognize. You know, when, when the voice of God came uh, to the prophet Isaiah, and God was asking a question. Okay, this is very interesting. You know, God could have easily commanded, but God was asking a question. And he still does the same thing, even today. And this question is, who will go for me to do this work of mine? Who can I send? And Isaiah, who was deeply touched in his heart, who was 
realizing the presence of God was so powerful, who realized the holiness of God was there in that, in that particular place. He simply said, here I am, send me. And you know, this is really a very important lesson. In the kingdom of God, we are depending not on people who we are forcing to do anything. We are depending on people who are saying, here I am, send me. And today, the call of God comes again to all of us. This call says, who will go for us? Okay, who, who can I send? And God still desires to send people into the world. You know, the work is not done. Our city is growing in leaps and bounds. Lusaka has been growing uh, by the hundreds of thousands. And the church, okay, yes, there are new churches and there, there, there are things happening, but I don't think we are happening at the same, we are growing at the same rate like the city is growing. So which means there's a lot to be done. There's a lot that is required from those who are following Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. And I believe God is still asking that question. Who will go for us? Who can we send? God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit is asking that question. Who will go for us? Now he is God Almighty. He could easily use his power and say, okay, you, 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 and you go and do this. But God is not working like that, okay? God is working with people who freely give themselves to the work of God. No one will be forced into the kingdom of God. No one will be forced to do what God desires us to accomplish in our lives. He gives us a choice because he's a God of choice. You know, God has freely given whatever he has given to you and me. We have it because God loves to give. But he wants us also to freely give ourselves, freely give our time, freely give of our money. Whatever we have, which God has given to us, he's not forcing us. But he's asking us, who will go for us? Who can we send? And thank God there was a response. A response by Isaiah sent me. And in the same way, we heard the call of God, who will go for us. It would have been much, much easier to continue to do business as usual at that particular time. And I'm sure it was the same for Isaiah, it was the same for Abraham, it was the same for all of these men and women of God who had heard the call of God at one time or the other. I'm sure it would have been so easy to just remain in what is, you know, what is already settled, what is already, uh, what you are used to. When God calls you, it unsettles you. It breaks you out of certain structures. And it makes you ready for something completely new. And I think this is what God has desired and does desire. You see, God is not saying you must accomplish, uh, you know, something that the world is going to get uh, amazed with. No, God says, just follow me. 
and I will make you fishers of man. Don't worry what you're going to be one day. You know, when Jesus called the 12 disciples, they had no clue what was ahead of them. They didn't know that at one time they would become apostles. At one time they would turn the world upside down. They had no clue about that. And they really didn't worry about that. What they heard was the call of Jesus, follow me. And they followed. And you know, today, this is the same principle of to respond. And you know, thank God, 30 years ago, we responded. 40 years ago, we came to Zambia. Mom, myself, and our son, who was one year old, Oliver, we honestly, we came to Zambia. We heard the call of God. We didn't know what was going to come. A lot of things we couldn't envision. We didn't even have a clue of what we are going to, to uh, meet here. But we heard the call of God, and that settles it. You know, Abraham had no clue where he was going. But God called him, and that was it. And so he went. So 30 years ago, once again, you know, uh, after 10 years in a certain work that we were doing, God said, it's time again to move. And we moved. It was not easy. It was shaking us to the core. All our financial resources were cut off because, you know, we didn't have any support anymore. Because we moved. But then God is the one who takes care of us. And, you know, we experience in a way that uh, would never have been possible if we did not move. That God really cares. You see, all the things that we were able to do later, we could never have done it in the old wineskin. It was going to be totally impossible. Today, we are taking care of sick people through our clinics by the thousands. Today, we are training people. We have schools. We have got university. We have got an oven home, you know. And, and we are able to do all of this just because we were not restricted to the old wineskin. If we felt we needed a wineskin to protect us or to keep us, then we would never have seen all of those things develop and grow and come into being. So we thank God for all of this. So one of the principles is, you know, that God calls and he's expecting, he's waiting for a response from us. Who will go for us? And thank God, there are still people today who are saying, Lord, send me. And my prayer is that today as you are hearing that call of God, who will go for us? That you are saying in your heart, Lord, send me. And that you don't leave it in your heart and then forget about it, but that you actually put it into practice and you go to do the work of the Lord. Another principle that we have learned is that we needed to trust God on our journey. And one of the scriptures that God has given us to be encouraged about 
was the scripture that we find in the book of John chapter 15 and verse 1. And I think all of us, we know that scripture very well. Jesus says, I'm the true grapevine and my father is a gardener. He cuts off every branch of mine that does not produce fruit, but he, and he prunes the branches that do bear fruit so that they will even produce more. You are already being pruned and purified by the message I have given you. Remain in me and I will remain in you. For a branch cannot produce fruit if it is severed from the vine. And you cannot be fruitful unless you remain in me. Yes, I'm the vine, you are the branches. Those who remain in me and I in them will produce much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. Of course, that, that offends us in our pride, you know, when God says you can do nothing. Because we do so many things. But God doesn't look at the little things that we do here and there. He looks at the things which will last into eternity. And whatever we do that is not eternal, that has no eternal value system, is going to disappear. So we must understand God is busy to supply all our needs according to his riches in glory. And, and I thank God, you know, that every time when we run into trouble, every time we didn't know where our next resource is going to come from, we remembered that we can be able to come to our Lord and Savior who said, I'm the vine, you are the branches. Branches may look like producing fruits, but the reality is a branch on its own cannot produce anything. And so whatever fruit you may see at God Center through the work that has been done in the last 30 years, it is not us who can gain the glory of it. It is the vine who has supplied all our needs according to his riches in glory. Amen? And he is not someone who ever runs out of resource. He is not someone who ever will be short of what we require in our lives. And you know, that is a powerful lesson that we have learned over uh, the years. Now, when we started, the circumstances were challenging. We had very little resources. In fact, if the only resources that we did have, we, left, we lost them because we ventured out without an umbrella over our heads, except God himself. So it was hard. But then we heard the call of God, and since God is calling, we, we knew that the God who is calling will also uh, take care, will also supply our needs. We realized we can't have two visions at the same time. You know, in any season, you need to hear what God is saying, and what you have had yesterday, what is still left over of the past, you have to put it aside. There cannot be two visions or else you have division. So Jesus really became our resource for everything. Very practically, you know, you may say, yes, spiritually, God is encouraging me, God is giving me his word, God is uh, 
providing for me. But God didn't only do that spiritually, he did it even physically. You know, there were things that we never realized could ever happen in our lives and God opened doors or God opened ways. You know, like we are singing uh, that uh, powerful song, God will make a way where there is no way. Okay? Some of us, we have, uh, you know, been shrinking back from going into a place where there's no way, where there's no prepared roads. But then God is the one who prepares the roads through the wilderness, even through the Red Sea, whatever your Red Sea may be all about, you know, God is the one who makes a way. And for sure, we have experienced that in our lives throughout. So we learned from him. Another very important lesson, you know, that we need, learned over the years and that we still continue to abide by, you know, Jesus says, take my yoke upon you and learn from me. And I tell you, it is a powerful thing to learn lessons from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. He has always got more and more that we have not yet seen, not yet heard, not yet understood that he wants us to become part of. And so it's wonderful to walk in the footsteps of our Lord and Savior. It's a testimony. So whatever we were able to accomplish is a testimony of what the vine supplies. It's not a testimony about our own greatness of, of who we are. No, it's just simply this is what God was able to do. And you know, whenever we become vessels in the hands of God, whenever we become tools in the hands of God, whenever we become wineskins in the hands of God, God will use us. Amen. So maybe you are at a junction today where you feel God calling you into a certain way and you're saying it's difficult. I can't do it. I don't have the resources. Don't look at the circumstances. Don't look at the resources because God is our one and only resource for time and eternity. He is the vine. Amen. And he supplies all our needs according to his riches in glory. He never runs dry. He never runs out. And thank God for that. This is, this is an amazing experience, okay? I, I, am, I, I can much better understand Abraham, okay, when he was called uh, there in uh, Chaldea, you know, in Ur in Chaldea, in the, that uh, civilization which was so much uh, worshiping idols. I can understand. Now, he had everything in that in that culture. He knew everything. He had relatives. He was, he was settled there. But then he heard the voice of God saying, Abraham, come, follow me. Leave your father's house. And he did. Amazingly, he did. This was against all odds. This was against all of the natural things that, you know, we would love to do. But he did it. And I can at least a little bit understand what it means because we have gone through the same kind of experience over the years. You see, God wants to do something which he cannot do in Chaldea. Okay? God will do, wants to do something which he cannot do in the old wineskin. 
God wants to do something in your life which cannot happen where you are right now. So you must move. Okay? And you know, like I said earlier on, when the river is flowing, you know, there is constant adjustment required. You know, when the, when the water is just a trickle, you know, there's not a much, much of a problem. You're just walking in, in and out of the river. When the water is ankle deep, you know, yes, you adjust, but not too much. But when it is knee deep, or when it is, you know, reaching your waist, or when it is becoming so deep that you cannot walk anymore, then you have to adjust. And you know, uh, life with Christ is a constant adjustment. Amen? A constant adjustment. Because the more God is able to transform us, the more he can do in our lives. I'm so thankful because, you know, I'm, I'm somebody who loves adventures. It's very interesting. Most of us, we love adventures, isn't it? But we want to see them on the screen. Huh? We don't want to experience them ourselves. You know, we get very excited when we see how somebody is going and have this adventure and this adventure. And we say, ah, this is good. This is my star. But when there's a call coming and says, come, leave your home. Then you say, ah, no, no, no. I'm, I'm, I'm secure. I'm safe where I am. But thank God, you know, the old structures that have hindered us in the past make us free for the new adventures with our God. Okay? And it's very exciting to go into new adventures with our God. Now, we had to learn from Jesus. You know, this is one principle. The first principle I said is the question, who will go for us? The question, the, the call of God. And we need to answer that call. Okay? Some of us, we remain mute. Some of us, we shake our heads. Some of, the, some of us, we say never. But those who do go will see the mighty hand of God in their lives. The second principle is that we should learn from him. Okay? Take that burden. Jesus calls it a yoke. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. And actually the yoke of Jesus is light. It's not a troublesome yoke. If we only understand how we can be able to harmonize and walk with him, in tune with him, then it's not hard. It's becoming hard when we are always rebelling in the yoke. When we say, no, no, I don't like this. Then you are working yourself out and you hurt yourself. But when you are in tune with Christ, when you're walking in step with him, then it's the most wonderful thing that can ever happen in this world. We had to learn another lesson. And of course, I can't give you all the lessons that we have learned, there would be too many, but a few lessons that I want to tell you about. One of the lessons we had to learn is to keep our eyes fixed upon Jesus, the author, as well as the finisher of our face. And that was not always easy. You know, when you see the surrounding, when you see the trials, the troubles around you, you may wonder, how am I going to make it? But thank God, God is a good God. 
Let me take you to a story which we find in the book of Mark. I'm reading it from the New Living Translation, Mark chapter 2 and verse 1. The Bible says here, when Jesus returned to Capernaum several days later, the news spread quickly that he was back home. Soon the house he was staying was so packed with visitors that there was no more room even outside the door. While he was preaching God's words to them, four men arrived carrying a paralyzed man on a mat. Okay, there were four men who carried a need, who carried a problem, who carried a man who could not walk. Maybe that's why they could not be fast to be early because when they heard the story, Jesus is there, they needed to prepare to carry this burden they were having. And so when they arrived, they found their way was blocked. They wanted to come to Jesus because they believed that Jesus was able to have a solution for their problem. But then there was no way in. Every, every entrance, well, the entrance was blocked. People were around, they were around the, the whole house. Uh, they were on the windows, they were on the door. Uh, there was just no way to get through. But these four men were very serious. They knew that the solution they required needed them to bring their problem to Jesus. And so, eventually, you know, love always finds a way, isn't it? Love is amazing. Love goes out of its way. Love is not just sitting in the old ways that we always have had. No, love finds a way. You can check yourself. You know, when have you found a way last because you laughed so much that you needed to do something? So these four men, they were looking at a way to go through. And, you know, many times the way to Jesus seems to be blocked. Sometimes by people who are just spectators. Sometimes by people who really don't have a face on themselves. They just are trying to see what is happening. But these people had faith. So they were not just remaining outside. And since they couldn't go inside, they decided to go on top. You know, in the Middle East, the houses were built in such a way that uh, usually the roofs were flat on top. And uh, uh, there, were, there was, a, was a, usually a staircase going up on top. So they went up on top of the roof. They located where Jesus was. And then they broke the roof. Okay, imagine they broke the roof. If you were the owner of that house, what would you have said? Okay. But they were not worried about the roof because the roof they could always repair later on. They had a problem. And they wanted to see that problem being resolved. They wanted to see God move in that way, in that mighty way. And so they broke the roof. And what happened here is amazing. You know, the, the Bible says they couldn't bring him to Jesus because of the crowd. So they dug a hole through the roof above his head. They lowered the man on his mat right down in front of Jesus. Amen. 
See, this is one thing we have to learn. Whatever problem, whatever need you have, bring it to Jesus. Put it before Jesus. Okay, put it before his feet. And you will see something is going to happen. You know, this is something that we have experienced over the year quite a number of times. Let me just give you that example. You know, when we started uh, with Gospel Outreach Fellowship, we finally came here a few years after we had started in um, 1995, three years after we began uh, with the church in other places at the International School at Lucaso Road, and finally we came here. And a lot of young people got saved, a lot of people gave their lives to the Lord, and it was, it was glorious. But sooner or later we, we, we somehow saw something was not okay. A lot of young people were sick. And we had seen some people who were able to sit in front, uh, you know, beaming for joy, the joy of the Lord, and then eventually, you know, would deteriorate and then, of course, would be afraid to sit in front but sat behind. And in one or two cases, you know, we had people who were from, you know, uh, outside healthy state. We didn't know what was inside, but outside they were looking very healthy to the time they were finally passing away, maybe six or seven months. That was shocking us. And of course we realized this is the scourge of HIV AIDS. And we decided, mom and I, we decided, we will not just look at it. We will not just say, the Lord be with you. We said, no, we want to do something about it. It was hard. Many church leaders said this is the, uh, the just uh, judgment of God upon their lives. And I said, you know, if that was the case, then we should all die because we all have gone astray, isn't it? So we stepped out with a very few people and we said we want to do something about it. We are not going to accept that situation. We didn't know what to do. In fact, we started with a small, small uh, uh, room, that room next to this door outside there. We had a small room and we made this a counseling room. We trained some of our people and we started counseling uh, people. Of course, it was a, a little, little drop, you know, a trickle that was flowing from the throne of God. But we did it because we believed God had called us to respond to that situation. A few years later, we were able to build the first part of the building next door, and we were able to have a counseling and testing center, and we had a great opportunity to invite a lot of people to get tested and get uh, to know their status. And of course, sooner or later, people said, but uh, what does it help me to know my status if I don't have any treatment in sight? And so we prayed. We prayed for treatment. Is it God who has asked us to, to start on this journey? 
was the God who knew the future. We didn't know. We had no clue how we would ever do that. A, 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 a one treatment there was tens of thousands of dollars, and some people who were uh, suffering of HIV AIDS, they were going to, uh, to other countries in order to be treated because here there wasn't anything like that. So we prayed. We put our patience. You know, we left the mat down in front of Jesus and said, this is our problem. Can you, can you respond to this? And God did. First it was a trickle. Then it, it became a little bit more. And eventually it became, a, it became a flood. And God provided what we required in order to start treatment. In 2004, you know, we started treatment. In fact, we were the first private institution uh, and that, that provided treatment in Zambia, and we were, uh, who provided treatment for free, okay? Even the government at that time was still, was still charging. This was not to boast, or is not to boast. This is just to say what God can do when we say, God, here is our problem. We put it in front of you. And, and you know, the interesting thing is, these four men were men of faith. These four men had one agenda. These four men, they said, all we need to do is get our problem in front of Jesus. Because Jesus has the answer. Jesus is going to give us the required solution. And Jesus did. In fact, Jesus answered very comprehensively. Jesus did not only do what they were bringing the sick man for. Okay, they brought the sick man to be healed. But before, before Jesus healed the man, he said, your sins are forgiven. Okay, and of course, Jesus knew the cause of the sickness. Jesus knew the reason why things were not okay. And so he addressed that reason. Your sins are forgiven. Around Jesus, there were all the old wineskins, all the old structures. He said, hmm... How can you say that? This is blaspheming God. Who, who can forgive except God himself? Of course, they didn't believe that Jesus is God. They didn't believe that Jesus has come into the Father to bring us salvation. They didn't believe that he was sent by the Father, the Son of the living God, to bring us out of darkness into his wonderful light. So Jesus said, which one is easier? To say your sins are forgiven or to say, rise up, take your mat and walk? Which one is easier? For you and me, both of us, is the same difficulty. Isn't it? But for Jesus, both of them are easier. Isn't it? For Jesus, everything is easy because he is all powerful. He has got all things in his hands. And so he said, okay, so that you know that the son of man has got power to forgive sins. Now he addressed the, the sick man. Rise up. Take your mat and go home. And for sure, the sick man who was paralyzed, who could not take a step on his own to come to Jesus. He needed help. He needed people who brought him to Jesus. But Jesus saw their face. And this is amazing. 
You know, the Bible says here uh, in Mark chapter 2, verse 5, seeing their faith, Jesus said to the paralyzed man, my child, your sins are forgiven. And then later he said, stand up, pick up your mat and walk. So I, so I will prove to you that the son of man has authority on earth to forgive sins. Praise the Lord. Okay, so the four, man, the four men, they wanted to see this man being helped. They wanted this need to be resolved. They wanted to see this disease being tackled. And when they brought this man to Jesus, he didn't start where they thought he should start. He started with their hearts, with the heart of that man. He forgave his sin. He could see what was the real underlying cause and he, and that's, that's always the problem, you know, you go to the doctor and the doc, you tell the doctor, no, I've got pain here or I've got pain there, and the doctor says, no, 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 I have to find out what is the cause, okay? Sometimes it's not just give me a plaster or give me some cream or give me some whatever, you know, but the, a good doctor knows that that is not a solution to your problem. Your solution, the solution is that you find the root cause that causes that issue that you are facing. And Jesus knew that. So Jesus forgave the sin of that man and then he healed him as well. So when you bring things in front of Jesus, he will comprehensively answer your need, your prayer. That's amazing. And that's what we were able to, to experience many times. Many times you know, I, I must confess, we allowed ourselves to be worried. We allowed ourselves to ask our question, how will we get out of this situation? Because human beings are like that. We always try to find solutions, we find ways first in our own head. Okay, when everything doesn't work, then we go to the doctor. Isn't it? Has that not happened in your life as well? You know, you, you try all kinds of different uh, concoctions before finally says it doesn't help, let me go to the doctor. You know, that's what we do even with, with Christ. We, we try to help ourselves because we are so convinced that we find solutions in ourselves. But the reality is, God is the solution. Jesus has come so that we have life and have it in abundance. Amen. So we need to keep our eyes fixed on Jesus. We have to bring our need before the Lord. And today, maybe you have some needs. Maybe you are facing some obstacles. You don't know how to reach Jesus. You don't know how he can be able to help you. But keep your faith. Make sure that you offload your problem in front of Jesus. Because he will be able to answer in a very comprehensive manner. So God is busy leading us and guiding us. And you know, one thing that we had to learn is that in the exercise of overcoming all the barriers, actually God was dealing even with our own hearts. When we are called into his vineyards, it's hard work. And hard work sometimes is hidden, you may not see it. And we are not meant to play to the gallery so that people see us what we do. No, that's not the issue. 
But then, you know, Jesus is stretching us. Jesus is examining us. Jesus wants to see the, the real motivation of our hearts. Let me read for you a scripture well known in the book of Jeremiah. Jeremiah chapter 17, verse 7. And the Bible reads here, but blessed is the man who trusts in the Lord, whose confidence is in him. Blessed is the man. You know, we all want to be blessed, isn't it? Sometimes we don't even know what it means to be blessed, but we want to be blessed. But the Bible says, blessed is the man, blessed is the woman who trusts in the Lord, whose confidence is in him. He will be like a tree planted by the water. That means you have got always supply because you are on the water. That he sends out his roots by the stream. He does not, he does not fear when the heat comes. Its leaves are always green. It has no worries in a year of trout and never fails to bear fruits. Okay, a tree next to the water will, you know, be able to stand any situation around, even the dry, the drought. And then the Bible says, the heart is deceitful above all things and beyond cure. Who can understand? I, the Lord, search the heart and examine the mind. Now listen to this. This is very important. You see, Isaiah said, here I am, send me. Little did he know that a lot of things needed to happen in his own life. He was bringing a powerful message. 700 years before Christ came, he talked about the coming of Christ in great accuracy with many, many details. And yet, Isaiah as a man had to be stretched, had to be examined, had to be transformed. And, Isaiah, and, and Jeremiah says here, the heart is deceitful above all things and beyond cure. Who can understand it? I, the Lord, search their heart and examine the mind to reward a man according to his conduct, according to what his deeds deserve. You see, the, the, the solution to our hearts, to the many different folds that are in our hearts, money folds, you know? You know, money fold is something in your car, in your engine, that has got different uh, exits from the engine and has got different places where it blows from. And then eventually it comes all into one. And so the heart has got so many folds. And some of these folds, even ourselves, we don't know. Okay, we think we have got uh, a, a good purpose for doing what we are doing. But meanwhile, there are some uh, inferior motives that are there. And God is examining us. And so, you know, we had to go through that examination. Everyone who needs to be qualified needs to go through examination. When you go in school, when you go to university, when you go to college, wherever, you know, eventually there will be an examination. An examination will will be able to reveal to you whether you are qualified or not. And you know, we had to go through that, to those examinations, many examinations, many more than we would have asked for. <laughs> but you know, God said, I'm going to examine you. I'm going to stretch you. I'm going to make you recognize 
what is inside of you. And that is really very important because God really wants to see us transform. You see, God never wants us to continue with business as usual. But we should learn to always respond to the voice of our God, to the word that is being presented before us, that is preached to us, that we are reading from the scriptures. Let me take you to the book of Galatians. Galatians chapter 4 and verse 15. You know, the Galatians were people who really uh, embraced the gospel totally and completely when Paul first preached to them. And then verse 4, 4 verse 15, he says, what happened to all your joy? I can testify that if you could have done so, you would have torn out your eyes and given them to me. You know, Paul had some eye problems. You can see that from different scriptures. And he says to these uh, people of Galatia, I know you would have done everything. You would have even taken your own eye and given your own eye to me. That was the, the level of commitment they had. Then he says, have I now become your enemy by telling you the truth? Those people are sellers to win you over. You know, there are always some people who are trying to win you over for their own selfish purposes. And that's what happened to the people of, of Galatia. Okay, so Paul says, there are some people who are sellers to win you over, but not for good. You know, some of us, we think it's for good what we are doing, but it's actually not for good. What they want is to alienate you from us so that you may be sellers for them. It is fine to be sellers provided the purpose is good. And to be so always and not just when I'm with you. My dear children, now this is important, okay? He was just trying to put the record straight in the lives of the Galatians. And he says, my dear children, for whom I'm again in the pains of childbirth until Christ is formed in you. Okay, these people received Jesus with great joy, with great, uh, you know, uh, desire to, to do something for the Lord, but they were easily being led astray. And Paul says, I'm still carrying that burden as if I'm having to give your birth all over again because Christ is not yet formed in you the way it should happen. And all of us, we go through that process. Okay, the question is, is Christ really formed in us? When you look at the mirror, what do you see? Do you see your old nature? Or can you see the nature of Christ? And a mirror, I don't mean the mirror on the wall, I mean the mirror of the word of God, because only the word of God can tell us who we really are. Can tell us what really is on our heart. It's only the word of God that examines us. So, walking with the Lord, you know, I, I remember when I was just uh, being saved, we had a preacher, you know, who said, you know, when you walk with Jesus, all problems come to an end. Everything will now be, be pure joy. 
And it was very exciting and people were shouting hallelujah, amen. But it was a lie. It was a total lie actually. Because actually when I gave my life to Jesus, I had battles which I never had before. You know, before I didn't know the devil because the devil had me safely in his uh, compartment. But when I followed Jesus, then I realized there were struggles that I didn't know before. So we are going through a process, okay? Thank God he calls us to do his work. Even so, we are not perfect as yet. Even so, we still need a lot of transformation in our own hearts and lives, but he still uses. You may not yet be perfect, and we will all not be perfect as long as we are here in this world. But, you know, we need to see Christ being formed in us. Okay, Christ becoming real in our lives. We need to respond to the needs around us with the love of Christ. Also, with a firm hand like Christ did. But it should come out of that source of concern, of love, of care. And that's what we learn from this word. So God uses all circumstances for our good to help us, not to hinder us. And even the things that hinder you are allowed by God so that you learn to overcome those things. So that you learn to see that God even will bring water out of a rock. Okay? So when there is a hindrance in your life, you know, God may just open up this hindrance and make it a great blessing to you. And that's one of the things that we have seen over and over again in the 30 years of this ministry, Gospel Outreach Fellowship. So we all should aim at the measure of the fullness of Christ. Okay, this is, this is what, we, what we need to go for. I read it in the beginning in Ephesians chapter 4, you know. The, the Bible tells us that we are uh, here, you know, uh, being equipped for ministry, edified as the body of Christ, until we come all to the unity of faith, the knowledge of the Son of God, to a perfect man, okay? This is what God is, 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 is working on, to make us all one, the perfect man. One of us cannot be perfect. We can only be perfect, be perfected in being one together, you know, as a household, as a family of God. To the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. And one of the things that is required for us to come to the fullness of Christ is that we learn to live in the justice and the righteousness of God. In the book of Amos, Amos was a prophet amongst those which we call minor prophets. Of course, there's no such thing like major and minor, but uh, you know, human beings have made that classification. And doing so many is rebuking the people of Israel uh, because, you know, they were doing so many religious duties. Now, God never established religion. Understand me. God never had an idea to give people a religion. No, God always wanted to be God personally and have a relationship with his people. But these people became religious. 
All the things that God told him to do, they didn't do it because of love. They didn't do it because they, they did it because of a religious exercise. And that's always a danger, you know. When such a thing happens, then the wineskin has become brittle. It's become useless. And so Amos is telling the people, even so, you bring me burnt offerings and grain offerings. I will not accept them. So you bring choice fellowship offerings. I have no regard for them. Of course, God was asking that people should do that, but they should do it from a heart of love, not a religious exercise. So that's why it's important that we study this word, Amos chapter 5, 22 to 24. Okay? And God says to the people, away with the noise of your songs. Okay, sounds like a contradiction because scripture tells us, sing to the Lord a new song. Okay? And that is true. It's not a contradiction. Sing to the Lord a new song. Some song that comes from a heart of love. Okay? Not from a heart of religion. Not a religious exercise, but from a heart of love. And God says, these songs that you sing, me, sing to me as a religious exercise, I don't want to hear them. I will not listen to the music of your harps. And then he says what he loves, what he really looks for. And he says, but let justice roll on like a river, righteousness like a never failing street, stream. God is looking for justice and righteousness in our lives. And this is what we are studying this year. Now it is the time to seek the Lord that he may come and shower his righteousness this is, amen. Unfortunately, this has become rare. You know, we have so many churches, but this is not something that we see in many of them. It's religion, religion, religion. And God says, I don't want religion. I want people who love me. I want people who sing to me a song of love, a song of dedication. Sing to the Lord a new song. Something that comes because you love the Lord. Because you overflow with the goodness of God. So that we must never forget. This is really what we are here for. You know, if we are building something which fails to see these things come to materialize. Justice and righteousness. The examination of our hearts. The fixing of our eyes upon Jesus. The learning from him. Whenever we are required to learn a fresh lesson. Then we are missing our game. We are missing our destiny. So we are thankful to be able to celebrate our birthday today. 30 in the Bible is a year or is as the number of maturity, okay? Many of the kings, like David, even Saul, Joseph, Jesus himself, they started their ministry at age 30, okay? God had to take them through a lot of learning experiences before they could actually do that. So we thank God that we have come to that juncture in our life, we have turned 30 years and we are looking forward to even greater things that God
is going to do. To him be the and in Christ throughout all generations. Okay? 30 years ago, I was still in the best years of my life. Now I've become, I become, now I, 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 I'm counted to the older generation now. Okay? Don't, don't judge my hair because I've had them for many years. <laughs> but my age is catching up, you know? And of course, you know, uh, it's not me alone, all of us, all of you. <laughs> You know, being young is, not, is actually not an advantage. You know, somebody asked me one day, would you, would you not love to be young again? I says, no, no way. You know, I've had my lessons. I went through all of these things. I don't want to go through this again. Okay. So thank God for where you are today. But every day, the clock is ticking. Every day, you know, an opportunity is passing you by. If you don't use it, it will never come back again. So, you know, we are getting advanced in age. But the Bible says God is going to do his work for all generations. And so I thank God for a new generation. One day I will give the baton to the next generation. Okay? Because this work is not started just for for, for me, as, a, as a, uh, the man God called at that particular time. But it's a work that has to continue. And of course, what is important is that even so, we are growing older. We are always busy renewing our wineskins. Okay? We are not using the wineskins that we had 30 years ago. That's a very important lesson. Okay? Every season, when God is doing something fresh, you have to renew your wineskin. Okay? There are many, many lessons that we have learned and that we will continue to learn. And we keep ourselves open before the Lord. We, we, we are having a, a posture of learning, of listening. I'm not just a preacher. Actually, I listen more than I, than I speak. Okay, when I'm here, you may say, pastor is always talking. Actually, no, it's not true. I take more time to listen than I am to speak. And we should all learn that lesson. It's a very important lesson. So we need to continue to renew our vine skin and remain fresh and open to the Lord. Remain sensitive to the, God, the calling of, of our Lord Jesus Christ. Judging from what we have experienced in the last 30 years, I know the future is going to be bright. Okay? Whether mom and I are there or not, uh, I know the future is bright. Many good and wonderful things are yet to come to pass. Because these things have nothing to do with us alone. Yes, of course, God called us, we responded, and God used us. But if you do the same, God will still use you too. Amen? And he is looking for such people who are going to respond. So, blessed 30th anniversary, Go Center. We have come a long way and we have proved that God is good. 
not once in a while, but all the time. Amen. God bless you.